0: This to me is the best rivalry in all of American sports. I'm not talking about international sports because I'm sure there's some soccer team. I know there's some soccer, you know. I'm sorry, football uh, rivalries that go back since the beginning of time and wars were probably fought over those teams. So I'm not even going to. I'm not even going to talk about those. But in American oh, sports, like when the mob ran Chicago and Detroit football, exactly. Don't bother me. I'm working. Don't bother, me, Don't, bother me, Don't bother me, I'm working. Don't bother me, I'm working. Don't bother me, I'm working. Don't work it. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. It's another fine day to discuss other people's excellence. I'm the brother one himself, Mr. Burke Carroll. Charles is always daydreaming, and we're two guys that like BSing at work. We got a nice little show for you guys today. Um, we're going to flip it around. We're going to do the college football stuff first and then talk about the NFL stuff second because the college football stuff is kind of just more piggybacking of what we talked about last week. Some more big-time names have, have changed course, and normally I wouldn't get in the habit of talking about every single coaching change, but these this is an unprecedented year, in my opinion, where we have guys leaving – fantastic jobs to go for other fantastic jobs and you don't really necessarily see that you normally see if they're going to leave those top franchises in college football they're going to the nfl or something like that or at least they were fired or something or, or you'll see somebody go from a smaller school to a bigger school something like that this lateral movement that we've been seeing is it, it really is interesting and i wonder if this is par for the course going forward um So for for those of you guys that don't know, uh, Mario Cristobal left Oregon to go to Miami, which was a shocker to a lot because he had a very, very lucrative deal at Oregon, a deal that a lot of people thought Miami literally could not afford to buy him out of. Um, But Mario Cristobal is from Miami He played for Miami. He he won two championships with them in the 90s. He is a Miami guy, and he wanted to go home and be the person to take over the U. And so he decided that he was going to walk away from the Oregon money and the Nike money and go back home to Miami to try to resurrect the U and bring it back to the glory days of the 80s, 90s, and early 2000s. And I don't blame them. I mean, I, I don't blame somebody for saying, look, I have a great job here in Oregon, but if I can go home and resurrect that program, that's my purpose. You know what I mean? Like that That's what God put me on this earth to do. I, I don't blame anybody for walking away from that. And my bad to Oregon. Last week, I did my top 10 college football jobs. Oregon is for sure in that list. Honestly, they might be even top five. And it's funny when I, I put my notes down again this week, before I had my notes, I had Oregon in my head. But when I went to write down my notes, they completely just skipped my brain. But well, Oregon is for sure top 10, maybe even top five. I might have them tied for five with Notre Dame like I had last week because you forget when, when, I, when I say jobs, right? One of the things that we had to consider is what are the benefits of coaching there, right? So do you have a recruiting chip that that school provides that nobody else provides? How are you compensated? How can you recruit? How good is it? the history, everything? We forget with Oregon, not only is it a recruiting chip, but it's money in your pocket. Again, I said it, that Nike contract. When you are the coach of, of Oregon, you were getting your own separate Nike contract. That's part of the contract that you were getting. From the school, and you become head coach at Oregon, and depending on how good you are, or how good they think you will be as a coach, and how good you are while you're coaching there, when they give you an extension, that money could be pretty, pretty, pretty freaking good. Not to mention the fact that you can sit on somebody's couch and look at a young teenager and say, "Hey, man, you know, if you come to Oregon, you getting, you getting this, you getting the best that the swoosh has to offer," and for a lot of kids, that's important. You know what I mean? You look good, you feel good, you play good, right? So to me, Oregon is for sure a top five school. Again, just like I had OU and USC tied for three and 3A, I would have Notre Dame and Oregon tied for five and 5A. You could flip them however you want. Obviously, Notre Dame has the fact that all their games are are on national television, The only the only slight slight against Notre Dame is the academic things that you have to deal with with recruiting. They're like Stanford, they're like Northwestern, they're like the Ivy Leagues, they're like Rutgers, where the academic portion of that is very important to the school. So you can't just go out and get the best kids available. They have to meet an academic standard as well. So that does kind of slight Notre Dame a little bit. Um, But then also with Oregon, they haven't really won much. They've been to the college football playoff. They've been to a couple of national championship games. Uh, They've run the Pac-12, but they haven't, you know, seized the moment in terms of getting that trophy. So, again, to me, 5 and 5A, you could flip them however you want. But I think Oregon definitely deserves to be in that conversation for one of the best jobs in all of college football. So, again, him leaving to go to Miami, I think that's huge. I think that's a huge win for the program. I think that's a huge win for the for the city of Miami. I think that's a huge win for the alumni of Miami. Uh, my, I know Michael Irvin was very happy about that. Even though he's a Manny Diaz guy, that's his that's his guy. But he understood Mario Cristobal. And if you look up Mario Cristobal and his history, the dude the dude is a coach, and he's one of the best recruiters in the nation. This is the dude that turned around FIU. And if you don't know who FIU is, FIU is a terrible program before he got there and he turned them around before getting his opportunities at, d- at other schools. So this guy can coach, he can recruit his behind off. And what a lot of people like about him, he's a detail oriented guy. He's an offensive lineman, his offensive line, all his offensive and defensive linemen are always good. They always go to the NFL. Obviously Penny Sewell, we all know about him Um and then his defensive end uh, Thibodeau was supposed going to be a top two pick in the draft this year as a defensive lineman. So if you're Miami, you're really happy about this guy. If you're a Miami fan, you got to be really happy about this guy. And, I, and I'll go on the limb and let me say it. I think this is it. I think this is it. I know Miami fans, every time they get a new coach, they're gonna, they say, we're back, we're back, we're back. I really think this is it. You're You're not going to get anybody better than this. Somebody who's from there, who knows the program, who knows the history, who can coach his ass off, who can recruit his ass off. Who's going to have your team fundamentally sound and disciplined? I'm not saying I'm not saying they're going to win a national title anytime soon, but they could be that team that is always in the you know ACC championship game, always looking for uh, a birth into the college football playoff, and you know always getting close to it, even if they don't actually win it. If you're a UM fan, like what more can you want when you guys have been struggling for the better part of a decade now? So. You know what I mean? Like, I think this was a fantastic hire by UM. UM. I'm not a UM fan, but if I was, I'd be very excited about this. This, this, is, this is as good as you were probably going to get if you are Miami. And they shot for the stars because a lot of people didn't think they, that, that they can get them. Again, that was a lucrative, lucrative deal. That he had at Oregon, that they had to overcome, and I'm sure they don't have to pay that money because I'm sure he said, "Look, I'll take some money off the table if that means I can get out of this contract and go home." That's a huge win for Miami. It really is. Oh, you know I, I,
1: I, I, you got this. Keep going. Oh, okay, okay. Oh, I, I did. oh okay. I thought... like I guess I'll oh, well, contribute something. I thought I was just here for emotional support this episode. Uh. Sorry, I was scrolling up. No, I got it. You said Ed Ogeron was, you know, expensive. And I have a list from uh, Ross Dellinger off of Twitter of all the coaching buyouts in college football so far. And Ogeron, 17 million. Mullen, 12 million. Patterson, 12 million. Helton, 10 million. Lake, 9.9 9 million. Fuente, 8.7 million. Wells, 7.4 million. Carey, 4 million. Diaz four million, Adazio three million, Holtz three million, Bell nine hundred forty thousand, Lunsford eight hundred thousand, Lindsay, seven hundred thousand, Arth six hundred forty thousand, Edsel, four hundred thousand for a total of $94.4 million. 94. million. See, and,
0: and so even and even that point maybe and maybe uh, Cristobal's numbers aren't there yet, but from that from that list alone, they paid more money to get rid of the coach now and Manny Diaz than it was to get Mario Cristobal from Oregon so again and again we don't know if those numbers if his uh deal is we don't know what it is yet so that might not be on that list so far but as of right now it doesn't sound like they even paid that much they had to do that much to get him out of Oregon so like I said this is what's him saying look I just want to go home you know what I mean so whatever money I need to give back I'll give back to go back to Miami that's that's, again, that's a, that's a win. That's a win. If you can get your guy and not even have to break the bank to get him, that's a big deal, especially since, again, Manny Diaz was already under contract and they had to buy him out to get him out of there to get Mario Cristobal in tow. So that's that's a big deal. That's a big deal. I have some petty news. I know you always
1: like petty news. So Texas Senator Bill Coleman released a press release, and I'll read it. Three inches of desolate highway to be named Lincoln-Riley Highway under proposed bill from Oklahoma City. Following the sudden and unexpected departure of University of Oklahoma former head coach that left the Sooner Nation and other football fans in shock, Senator Bill Coleman has requested legislation to properly honor, in quotes, Lincoln-Riley. The bill requests to name the last three inches of the westbound lane of the State Highway 325 in the panhandle as Lincoln-Riley Highway quote, I felt that the state of Oklahoma needed an appropriate goodbye to this former head coach whose sudden departure left many in shock, including the team of young, dedicated college players. I found the tiniest section of our most desolate highway to pay tribute to Coach Riley's exit from Oklahoma, from Exit from Oklahoma football in the state, Coleman said. This is only fitting as this is the last three inches one sees before leaving our great state heading west.
0: You know, and you know where he and went to school. Where, Oklahoma State. And apparently, <laughs> so, no,
1: so apparently not surprising
0: he that he would came cover the senator
1: bill. himself would cover any the cost of any signage for this part of the highway.
0: Yeah, yeah. Oklahoma State graduate said, "Oh, you know what? Let's let's burn OU a little bit more. Let's dedicate a highway. I lo- I love it. I love it. It's petty. It's petty. Um, you know." It's something. Look, Lincoln Riley leaving that that hurt Oklahoma, and I'm glad you did that because that's my transition to Brent Venables, the defensive coordinator for Clemson. He just took on the OU job, so he will be the new coach at Oklahoma going forward. I said they should go get Dabo last last week. I guess they got the quote unquote next best thing, in Brent Venables, and he, and he's definitely retur- uh, returning because Venables is making his return sooner Sooners after
1: spending yeah. 99 to 2011 there in a variety of roles, including assistant head coach
0: and defensive coordinator. So he's he obviously got ex- plenty of experience. He's been doing it since 99. Oh, yeah. Well, that, that's what that's what I was going to get to next, because I, I love it and hate it for the same reasons. So, so it's weird. I love the hire and hate it for the same reasons. One, like you said, he was the coach there from 99 to 2011. Uh, so he's familiar with the program. And I'm not surprised Oklahoma always wants to go somewhere. Some Oklahoma's like Texas. They kind of, they do this thing where like, no, no, no. It's got to be somebody linked to the program. We can never go outside of that. It's got to be, you know, Sooner family. Okay. You got you went and got Sooner family. Uh, Brent Venables is a fantastic coordinator. He's one of the uh, uh, biggest coordinators in the game. A lot of people thought he would be a head coach Sooner um no pun intended and maybe he was waiting for a chance to go to his you know to, to go to OU maybe that's why he never took a job before this
1: maybe.
0: um and he's you know like you he said he's a defensive coordinator he was a defensive coordinator at Clemson um and all those good Clemson defenses that they had over the last past decade so again I like it because a defensive-minded coach is something that Oklahoma's gonna need going into the SEC this isn't a big 12 anymore where you could just throw up points and win shootouts. This is why they can never win in the college football playoffs. Cause you're going to go against these sec teams that could slow down your offense. And then if you can't stop theirs, you're never going to win. So I like it for that reason. I also hate it for that reason because it doesn't feel Oklahoma to me, Oklahoma. And, and maybe that's the fan in me, not accepting that this is an sec team. Now it's no longer a big 12 team to me, Oklahoma, represented what the big 12 is it's a shootout it's offense it's it's dial it up it's, it's the cliff kingsbury lincoln riley type offenses um and so to me it is weird that they went for a defensive minded coach of uh, this time because that last you know few iterations of this team have been offensive minds and so i love it for that reason because i think it is a good change in course But I hate it for the same reason because it just feels weird. It just feels weird. Um, You know what I mean? It's just not something that you would normally do. And so, you know, I I hope this is a great hire for them. I really think they should have went after Dabo. I don't know if they ever – I don't think they ever even did. Um, I, I thought Dabo was the guy. I thought this was the perfect time to get him. Clemson's not that good right now perfect time for him to transition to o, to OU and see if he could turn that turn it around in the SEC but I'm sure they their first choice was Brent Venables after Cliff Kingsbury apparently um but I'm sure Brent Venables was their second choice over even Adabo Sweeney um and so if they're happy I'm happy I, I think he could be good for the program uh I'm sure His ties to Oklahoma and Texas is what helped Clemson get some of those kids down there in terms of uh, helping Dabo get kids from the Texas and Oklahoma area. So I'm sure he'll be able to recruit locally. Now it's just a matter of can he recruit, you know, more than that. Can he get Oklahoma to the point where they are a top team in the SEC West? And that's going to be the problem. They're going to be in the SEC West where they got to go against Alabama and LSU and Auburn and Texas a and I mean, the SEC West alone is ridiculous, uh, let alone if you got to place Georgia in the SEC championship game just getting out of the West. So it's going to be interesting. I, I'm hoping that he's the right guy for, the, for Oklahoma. Um, like I said, I love it and hate it at the same time, but I got to see. I got to see. For all the factors that I said, I think it's either going to work or it's not. I don't think there's going to be anything in between. I think they're either going to be great or I think they're going to suck. We'll, you know, time will tell. I wish them all the best of luck. Um, you know, go Sooners. That's all I could really say. Boomer Sooners. That's all I could really say about that. And the only other thing that I can think of that me and you haven't
1: really uh, touched on, that we kind of touched on for being two people that don't really talk about college football, Deion Sanders led Jackson State to the Southwestern Atlantic Conference Championship.
0: 11-1, baby.
1: 11-1, 27-10 victory over Prairie View a Uh, There's rumors that Colorado State is looking at prime time uh, to be their head coach. And I don't, you know, most people, at least online right now, are kind of of the mindset that he just won there after all the HBCU talk. It's it's, it's very unlikely he's going to leave after one season. So,
0: yeah, again, I think only way he would ever leave is if if it's Florida State called. To me, to be honest, I don't I don't think you leave. No offense to Colorado State. I don't think you leave for Colorado State. That's just me. Not not seeing I, th- I think didn't his sons just join him? Yeah, his time? son's always his son, his son is yeah, yeah. I yeah, like
1: they, I I like I just don't see it's not I don't even want to say it's a lateral move because we know how college football works. So a lot of time the HBCUs aren't the jobs that even mid-tier university schools are that are just known for some of their football teams. So I'll say I'll be nice to say it's a lateral move, but if you're happy where you are, be happy, especially if you're winning. Like if you're winning at a school and you're happy at that school, you're right. Unless your dream job comes a knocking and you get a chance to return to your alma mater.
0: So, you know, who cares? Yeah. And I think I think this is a passion project for him. It's not just about Jackson State. I do think he wants to bring shed light to HBCUs. And so I think this is more more than just me, him personally doing well. He wants to see these other schools do well. You know, he wants to see teams in the SWAC and other conferences uh, grow. And so his name brand being there helps that happen and, and, and hopefully gets other – and we've seen it. We've seen it. Uh, other HBCUs are, are bringing in these big-time f- former NFL players to come in as their head coaches – because that gives it, – it works beneficial for both ways, right? It's giving these players a chance to be coaches early on and get and get that coaching experience. It's bringing name recognition to these HBCUs and hopefully keeping kids there so that they're better. It works out for everybody. And I don't. I just don't see him leaving that unless it's a big t- – even if it's not Florida State. I'm, I'm sorry. I, to me, I think it had to be bigger than Colorado State. And that's no offense to Colorado State. I'm just saying it's got to be – it's got to be a top fifteen twenty job calling him if he's gonna leave that to me. And I, I, I don't think, Kyle, you know, what I mean, that's that's almost like him leaving that for Rutgers. You know, what I mean, that wouldn't even make sense. As much as I, as much as me, and you would love it. That wouldn't even make sense. Like you left the HBCU for Rutgers, like why? Like just stay there. Yeah, why? <laughs> like, like like why? why would you from be? here. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So you know. It, and you know, it's. I
1: actually did some uh, research because, because again, Brett was like, hey, I want to talk about college, which, you know, there's more that happened in college football than pro football this week, short of Steelers fans wanting to hate on Lamar Jackson. I have been looking at all these mock drafts, and, you know, the consensus, consensus seems to be that it's the pass rusher, Adrian Hutchinson out of Michigan going to Detroit, right, F- followed quickly by Kayvon Thibodeau. And that seems to be the one and two, one A, one B, with the exception of one SI mock that got Kenny Pickett uh, from Pittsburgh going number two to Houston. Um, and there's another one that has the the Texans taking a different quarterback. Hold on, let me let me pull that up because it's just Matt Cor- uh, Corral. Mm-hmm. I don't even know where he's from. I'm not going to pretend I do. Ole Miss. Ole Miss. So those are the two quarterbacks in the top five that i've seen out of that cbs that has that so take it up with them i mostly see in the top 10 a lot of pass rush it's pass rush o-line and secondary seems to be the top 10 at least at least as of the first week or so of december the way too early mocks they have i i don't see i don't see anything besides the consensus that hutchinson and um, Thibodeau are really good, but even CBS has Thibodeau dropping all the way to five, going to the Jets. It has a uh, Ekem I-, I hope I'm saying that right. Defensive tackle out of North Carolina State is the is going second to the Jags in the CBS
0: uh, mock. So there's no way. <laughs> and and matter of fact, Thibodeau uh, he already announced that he's not even going to play in the Alamo Bowl. Which, again, we said this last week, I don't blame him. Your coach just left. Why Why the hell would you risk your future to play in a bowl game? Like Different
1: and- uh, mocks have Kyle Hamilton, the safety from Notre Dame, going either to the Jets or the Giants. Uh, the Giants, everyone seems to be doing the same thing in these mocks from Pro Football Network, uh, CBS, uh, Sports Illustrated. Giants go D-line, O-line, or offense, defense. Uh, You know, offensive line pro football network has an OT from Alabama, Evan Neal, and the Giants taking Garrett Wilson, a wide receiver out of Ohio. I don't think we're going to take a wide receiver. Um, Not that I know. Hell no. Uh, So this is why I hate mock drafts because everyone's talking out their ass and and, and us fans, we eat it up and it's just people are just making shit up as we go along. Um, CBS has the Jets taking Neal and Thibodeau with Kyle Hamilton and Charles Cross offensive lineman from Mississippi city state going to the Giants. I, I just, I don't, you know, go deep, go D line, go O line and figure your shit out. You know, that's, that's my personal philosophy right now.
0: Uh, but you know what? You know why I mock drafts so hard because you need to know the collars game well, and then you also need to know all 32 teams. Well, you know what I mean? Like you need to know what every, so I look at, when I look at mock drafts, I skip through every – because I can care less what everybody else is picking. I want to see what people are saying about my team, right? Yeah. And, like, a lot of people still have us taking quarterback. And it's like, yeah, are you watching this team? Like, Ben Lockberger is not our only issue. Like, we really need help in corner. We really need help at linebacker. We really need some offensive line help some more. Like, they're not I, – I really can't see them going quarterback in the first round. And, and that's why mock drafts are so hard, because you need to have a very, very firm understanding of both, uh, you know, the college game, obviously who's good and who's not, and also the NFL and what every single, because I'll be lying if I told you I knew what the Chargers, you know what I mean, like something of a random team. I'd be lying if I said, oh, yeah, this is what the Chargers top five needs right now, Yeah, these are the players that, fit those needs. I, I I don't know. I can tell you about the Panthers, I can tell you about the Steelers. I can't most I and you, could tell, you could kind of guess the, the division
1: based right. because that's the teams you see the most. CBS has the, the Steelers for all the Steelers fans, listening. Um Carson Strong, quarterback Nevada.
0: Yeah, I just, I just don't see it in a class that's not that good at quarterback, and a class that's really strong at corner and really strong at defensive player and really strong at, at O-line. I'm thinking that's where the Steelers would go in the first round because you have to get these first round picks right. You know, Kevin Colbert has been so hit or miss with his first round picks. that And that's what's costing this team now. You know what I mean? We should only be a quarterback away. We should be like, yo, man, this team is great. Ben just sucks and we got to get rid of it. And matter of fact, if Kevin Colbert did what he was supposed to do, I'm telling you, Ben Roethlisberger is not as bad as people are looking at I think he is. He just can't overcompensate for how bad we are as a team anymore. If we had a great old line and could run the ball and had a shut down defense, we, we and, and, and had an old line that gave him time in the pocket, we wouldn't be this bad. And by, and by the way, we're still a game over five hundred. Just to be clear, and the only tie that we have was because he didn't play. And yeah, I feel
1: nothing nervous. for the woes of Steelers fans. Just so you know, there's not there's not an inch of me that is like, oh man, it's a tough situation
0: you guys are in. No, I'm. I'm not asking for your pity. I'm just saying, like, when people are saying, "Oh, with Ben Roethlisberger, like, bro, this is way more than a Ben Roethlisberger problem." I think I it's know. a mixture of both, but it's not the, in the sense that,
1: you guys are stuck with him, and to think that he's the problem, like the main problem of the Steelers, is just big Ben hate, which is going to happen. But at the same time, if you if you don't think an upgrade at quarterback could help you because mobility. You guys had a mobile quarterback, which is crazy to think of Big Ben as a mobile quarterback in 2021, but he was. And you had him before the whole league shifted to a mobile quarterback. And you kind of took that for granted. With Eli, same draft, that's why I'm doing the comparison. With Eli, we never we had a statue the whole time. So we knew what we were going to get. You're so used to – that. you have this expectation that every quarterback you have – should have some type of elusivity to them and, and be able to get out of situations in the pocket. When newsflash, no, because Daniel Jones is the first quarterback I'm watching in my lifetime that can run like that on my team. And he has no problem getting out the pocket when he just has the the, the mind to do it he, and holding on to the ball is the problem. The mobility isn't the problem. You could find a mobile quarterback that might be able to get you a couple more wins because you're talking to your fan base, bro. Steelers fans hate on Lamar Jackson and love to remind everybody that he's a runner, but without Lamar Jackson this year, for all the he's not that good of a passer, he's not a passer. Talk twenty something injuries and and the Ravens are on top of the division right now as we record. No, yeah, absolutely. So, so yeah. the legs, the legs are just as important. Not, and I'm saying that. Oh,
0: and oh,
1: and, and Steelers fans know they, that, and
0: that's what no. that's why they want Ben gone. Because it's not the fact that he's not good; as he is a statue. And the mindset is, if the offensive line is going to take a couple years to get fixed, you need at least a mobile quarterback. I get all that. My issue is, and Ben's going to retire at the end of the season anyway. So we are going to need a quarterback at some point. My point is. And a draft class is not that strong at the quarterback position. And where will we will be drafting? We'll probably be having a second, maybe the third quarterback off the board. And a draft class is not that strong. They got you picking a kid from Nevada at 18 on
1: CBS right
0: now. Right. I, I wouldn't, I would not go quarterback in the first round. I just wouldn't. Fix your other needs. You have two young, again, my thing is the Steelers are going to have cap money. You're going to have to bring in a veteran. For this year, whether it's a Mariota, whether it's a Miss Trubisky, Jameis Winston, Cam Newton, whoever the hell it is, you're going to have to go with a veteran for next if you year. you were able that's to just... get Jameis Winston, I have the faith in Tomlin that that might actually work. Yeah, I, I don't know who the guy would be, but the point is you're going to have to go with a veteran for the year, and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Save it for next year. If the quarterback class is better next year, again, if you need to, you could always trade up and get your quarterback. Build your team this year and this year's draft. This is the perfect draft to do what we need to do outside of. I was telling my dad the other day, with all of our money, I would go all offense in the offseason in terms of free agency. Get your O-line. Get your wide receiver. There's a lot of wide receivers in this free agent class. Get your cheap veteran quarterback that just needs to be a game manager for a year. That's it.
1: Yeah, but last but last not, week,
0: last week you said that, the, that that
1: team, your team, the Steelers, are operated like a mom and pop shop. Is I believe how you how you worded it, right? Mm-hmm. And that what you're saying, what you want, It goes against what you said last week. You know, there's this mom and pop shop because mom and pop shops at least in the, in the football
0: context, don't go out in free agency and, and drop bags on, on wide receivers. No, absolutely. Again, I'm not saying that – No, what I'm saying is they're going to have, I believe, like $50 million in cap space, right? You can get an office alignment or two. You can get a wide receiver. You can get a quarterback. You're not going to get the best ones on the market, but you're going to get veterans to come in and be guys that you could put as placeholders all at those positions so that you can at least – function as an offense next year and I and honestly in this year's draft I would do what the Panthers did two years ago I would go straight defense this is such a loaded draft offensively if I spend my money on the offseason on wide receivers linemen and a quarterback I can go all defense in this year's draft and next and again two years from now it won't be next year but two years from now when you do have your next franchise quarterback now you got the young defense stout your off hopefully would be better hopefully you didn't run Najee Harris into the ground yet and you're and you're good to go you just you just can't going a quarterback this year doesn't make sense to me you, you're you're so far off from getting from getting a franchise quarterback and there is no I can understand there was franchise quarterbacks a, 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 you know a, a bliss in this draft class there's not there's not. There just, there just aren't. So, I, to me, that doesn't make any sense. Well, well
1: if there's and a granted, with that being said, crap. I'm
0: still going to be looking at Kenny Pickett. I'm still going to be looking at Sam Howell. I'm still going to be paying attention to who these guys are playing in the bowl game, just in case we do take a quarterback. I want to be confident and say, hey, look, he's not as bad as people said he was or he's better than people are giving him credit for. No, I, I'm going to be paying attention because there is a chance we do take a quarterback. But it depends on what we do in free agency. I I just think if I'm running this deal is I'm trying to get, because Mariota you can get for like, what, $8 million, something like that, nothing crazy. Like, go do that. I'll I'll take Mariota for a year. Go get your offensive lineman. Go get a a wide receiver. Again, doesn't have to be the best one. Get somebody that can, because, again, Juju will be gone and James Washington will be gone. So you got to replace at least one of them. You know what I mean? Like, Go get those guys in free agency. That way in the draft, you can focus on what you really need. Corners, where, linebackers. Where's Juju going? Whoever's willing to pay him. I don't, I don't know. No, no, so you, just, the, you, you just don't see
1: uh, a I don't see him.
0: That... I, don't, I mean, unless he does. I mean, he came back for a, a very I, – I, like I said, I, he won my heart this year. He was going to go to the Ravens, came back to the Steelers for less money. So so he wanted to be here. I think that's cool. But he got hurt. I think he might bet on himself uh, this year or to be honest, I can see a situation where because he's hurt. He comes back for another year on uh, less money again, just so he could get a, a, a clean bill of health, you know, f- for another year and see if he can cash in next year. I can see that. And if that's what he wants to do, I wouldn't be mad at that. But the point of the matter is chances are he's gone. We know James Washington's gone. You got to replace them. You can't just have two receivers. You gotta, you gotta replace them. So they're gonna need somebody in free agency. There's a lot, there's a pretty good free agent class of wide receiver. Maybe you can get a good one without breaking the bank to get one. But um, there's some there's some offensive linemen in the offseason that you can get. Again, you don't have to break the bank to get some, just get some veterans that could do their job. That's it. The offense is not going to be great next year. We know that no matter what, but you can plug and play some guys for next year, focus on that defense. And then in the 2023 draft, hopefully it's a better exchange of position players that you can that you can get. Maybe you go offensive line in the draft again this year in the third or fourth round like you did last year. Just for depth purposes, but you know, again, that's what I would do if I'm the Steelers. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be looking quarterback too early. That's just me. Now, if Kenny Pickett for some reason falls to you in the second round, which I highly doubt, but if he's for some reason there in the second round, okay. Sam Howell right there in the second round, okay. But I just don't see that happening. And if I think, been, if, I think
1: if your boy Kenny Pickett falls to 18, the Steelers are going to take him.
0: I hope. I just hope not. I hope not. I, I like Kenny Pickett, me personally, but we're way more than Kenny Pickett away from being being. So th- what they're saying about Kenny Pickett is, and what I'm looking at Kenny Pickett, I'm like, yo, he, he, to me, he looks like the best quarterback in this class. What's why is everybody down down on him? From what we're from what everybody's saying is his ceiling isn't as high as everybody else's. So these other guys, they might not be as polished as he is right now, but their ceiling is way higher. Than what he is, he's more like a Kirk Cousins when these other guys could be something else. Okay. All right. I mean, I'll take Kirk. I think most teams would take it, Kirk Cousins, but that's just me. Well, I mean, it,
1: I don't know, man. This isn't a good quarterback draft. In the years when we don't have any hype for anybody coming out, and it's December, uh, it's usually very telling. But I was gonna say before, I didn't mean to try to cut you off, but If you're going to find the free, if there's a franchise quarterback in this draft, you have just as much chance of drafting him in the first round as you do in the seventh round because don't nobody know any of these quarterbacks. And yeah, there's the years we have the overhyped quarterback that everyone knows and flames out before the end of his rookie year. I'm not saying that, but at the same time, they're usually in the league. Like Mariota had a lot of hype. He's still in the league. Uh, And this year, there's not even a Mariota there. There's, there's, there's not a Carson Wentz. This is the, like I, I was going to try to say this is like the Carson Wentz, Jared Goff year, but I feel like there was more hype with them than anyone in this draft. No, this is
0: the worst one since 2013, which was the Geno Smith. If. Uh Without a doubt, without a doubt. E. J. And even then, e. J. Even Manuel, Christian Ponder. And that's what I'm saying. If, even 2013,
1: though, had more hype. Like Geno Smith had more hype during the regular season than these
0: quarterbacks do right now. Yeah, Geno Smith was like Spencer Rattler. Before everybody thought he was going to be that guy, he kind of fell off, fell off all the way to being a second-round pick. But that's what I'm saying. He had Christian Ponder in that draft. You had E.J. Manuel in that draft. You had uh, Geno Smith in that draft. So, again, are you wasting a first-round pick on those type of guys? I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I, that's what I'm saying. I understand the Steelers need a quarterback. But, like, if, if that's all we needed, then I would say, yeah, get Kenny Pickett. Because even if he is just – Kirk Cousins. If we have a great team around him, you could. I I really think you can win with a Kirk Cousins type of quarterback. But if you're drafting Kirk Cousins to be your franchise savior, that's not going to be. That's not. That's not going to be the case. Uh I mean, ironically, as we play Kirk Cousins on Thursday, so you know that's just not going to be the case. Um, it's it's weird. It's weird. And before
1: before we wrap it up, I know you wanted to talk about the AP top twenty-five for the college football team. Sorry to jump back into college but Bama is back on top see this is one of those things when you're a casual all the drama when people are like is this the end of Alabama because they like lost the game and then here I am first weekend in
0: December and I'm like oh who's on top Alabama oh but the, so final I- ranking, the final rankings are out we have the final we know who's in the playoffs we know who's going to compete for a national championship Cincinnati congratulations first non first non-power five school to make it they, they're there at four they're gonna get destroyed by alabama in the first round and a lot of people are upset about that who are cincinnati fans because they did kind of get stiffed but it was obvious the committee didn't want to put them in but they kept winning so they put them in and it's obvious the committee is like yo we're not putting you over four we're just not going to do it you're going to lose in the first round to so whoever you play in the first round and it happened to be alabama and to be fair, I think that's fair. Cincinnati, they beat Notre Dame. Other than that, they don't have any great wins. Uh, they kind of were faltering towards the end of the season. I think their last two wins were decisive, but before that, they had like some close calls. Uh, Desmond Ritter is another quarterback that's that might be a first rounder, might be a second rounder. Yeah, you know what I mean? So it's just, you know, Cincinnati to me is right where they should be. You, you don't want Alabama and Georgia playing each other in the first round. That's whack. And you can't put Michigan at four because Michigan did what they were supposed to do. So Cincinnati, unfortunately, you know, they're the sacrificial lamb here. If Alabama were to have lost the way people thought they were going to lose and drop out of the top four, then Cincinnati would have probably been three and Notre Dame would have been four. But unfortunately, that did not happen, and Cincinnati is stuck at three, and they will be utterly tranced by, by Alabama in the first week of the college football playoffs. But that's a great season for Cincinnati. I mean, I you exactly. realistically, Aircat bro, yeah, you realistically can't get. Part of me wants out. that upset real bad though. Oh, I would love it. I, you know, I hate Alabama. Please, Cincinnati. I don't even hate
1: Alabama. I like Alabama. I like I like what Savin does there. But but like the sports fan in me is kind of like, come on, you know what I mean? Like go out there and swing, like because you know how many people are going into that game thinking Alabama should murder you, like that's your motivation is like they don't even think we're supposed to be here. And oh, listen, I don't I don't like Alabama. I don't like Michigan. I, I, oh no, I'm, I want Michigan to win. I, I'm one of the I treat the old school how like the boomer NFL fans do with the divisions. I'm like that with college football. If my if my shitty Scarlet Knights are in the Big Ten and the Big Ten win, uh, keeps winning the titles, it kind of makes our shitty less shitty. So,
0: nah, I hate Jim Harbaugh. He takes all our Jersey kids. Uh, so I, I would I would love to see I would love to see Cincinnati win the whole thing. Just f you to everybody. Like that would be awesome. Uh, I just don't think it's gonna happen. Uh, and even if they beat Alabama, I don't think there's any way in hell they're beating Georgia because I don't think Michigan's beating Georgia. So. If Michigan upsets Georgia and if Cincinnati upsets Alabama, then I can see Cincinnati beating Michigan because I still don't think Michigan is that good. But although they have Aiden Hutchinson, who, again, that's kind of weird. It's like, bro, do you want to play for a national championship or do you want to preserve your spot as the number one pick in the draft? Because part of the reason why he has overtaken Thibodeau for the number one pick in the draft is because Thibodeau kept getting hurt this year and Hutchinson's been balling. You know, going into the year all year round with Thibodeau all year. Hutchinson's had like some great games the last couple of weeks. And Thibodeau's kind of kind of been out of the mix. And now Thibodeau is dropping to number two in a lot of big boards. And Hutchinson is now number one. Hutchinson at one point, he was supposed to go to you got your Giants at like nine. You know what I mean? Like, he wasn't supposed to even be a top three guy. Now he's looking like the number one pick in the draft. So it's one of those weird things. Do you want to keep riding that momentum and you know play and risk getting injured, or do you want to sit out the bowl games and you know see where that takes you? But obviously, you're going for a national championship. I don't. I don't think he'll ever sit that out. You, if you're if you're going for a chip, you gotta you gotta play. Only Jadavion Clowney, right? Right, exactly. But that's it for the college football stuff. Last thing I want to talk about, and shout out to Miami, shout out to Washington. If y'all win this week, we will talk about you next week because I do want to give y'all credit. I know we talk about the same four teams all the time, but I do want to give teams credit around the league who are playing well. But we, we kind of ran long in the college football thing. But Raven Steelers, man, another classic Dolphins credit this week. Why do you want to give the Dolphins credit this week, Brett? They've won four straight. Oh, I'm sorry. Right. Five straight. Five straight. I'm sorry. They have won five straight after going mm. one and seven. The the Washington LLC has won four straight after being two and six. The two of the hottest teams in the league right now. I, I want to give them some credit, um, but we'll do that in another pod. Raven Steelers, another classic down to the wire 1 point game fun fact we were 13 and 13 in our last 26 matchups this has been a third this was the 30th meeting between Harbaugh and Tomlin had the ravens won that game it would have been split 15-15 right now tomlin has the edge over harbaugh 16 to 14 and the steelers have won the last 3 matchups including a sweep last year this to me is the best rivalry in all of American sports. I'm not talking about international sports because I'm sure there's some soccer team. I know there's some soccer, you know, I'm sorry, football uh, rivalries that go back since the beginning of time and wars were probably fought over those teams. So I'm not even going to, I'm not even going to talk about those, but in American sports, like when the mob ran Chicago and Detroit football, exactly. In American sports, I got my top five, Right now, number five, I got the Red River Rivalry, OU versus Texas. I'm telling you right now, Ohio State, and Michigan, you're not on this list. I'm sorry. I don't give a damn. I know it's probably the biggest rivalry in college football. I don't care. Ohio State has destroyed Michigan since before I can remember. Even if Michigan doesn't win the chip this year, the fact that they beat Ohio State finally, Jim Harbaugh is going to get a 20-year extension because of that. That's not a rivalry to me. If one team's destroying the other team, that's not a rivalry. I could, I could, I could care less. So, all you – were oh, are you crazy? You forgot Ohio State. I didn't forget him. You're not on the list. You are not on the list. I'm sorry. That's, I don't care how long you guys have been playing each other. If one team continues to destroy the other, that's not a rivalry to me. So, I'm just letting you all know now. You all not even on the list. So, I don't even listen for it. Number five, we got the Red River rivalry. OU versus Texas. Come on, man. Stop it. You're gonna say I'm biased. No, I'm not. Here's here's the reason why. Even when Texas sucks, they somehow always beat OU in that game. And that's usually the game that screws OU up getting into the college football playoffs. Because, like, oh wow, you had one loss all year, but it's to like the freaking Texas, uh, Texas Longhorns who are four and whatever that year. It's a great rivalry, always a great game. Always like we've had some classic games over the last couple of years, just alone, okay. Great rivalry. It's number five on the list. Number four, Lakers-Celtics. It's got the history, the two biggest franchises in the NBA. It's always a big deal when they play. We've had some classic uh, uh, times in the finals uh, between these two. Uh, it's still going on strong. It doesn't have the luster it used to have. That's why it's only number four on the list. It's the last couple of years, and unfortunately, since the Kobe year. Rest in peace. It hasn't been that. It hasn't been that big of a of a thing. Maybe if Kyle was still in Boston and you know LeBron would be a LeBron Kyrie thing, but mm, nah, it just hasn't had the luster. But it's still there. Number three, UNC Duke. Come on now. Biggest rivalry in college basketball. Those two teams hate each other. They're right down the road from each other. The Tar Heels don't like the Dukies. The Dukies don't like the Tar Heels. It's a big thing. You yeah, had legendary coaches in Roy Williams and Coach K clashing. Roy Williams is retired already. Coach K will retire. So it is interesting to see what the what the future of this rivalry will be. But UNC Duke all the way. That's, that's number three. Yankees, Red Sox, number two. I was gonna say if you don't have them at
1: number two with your no, whole no, spiel no. where this is leading, it's a fugazi list. That's what I was gonna
0: say. Was no, like, no, no, no. Yankees gonna... Red Sox number two. You want to talk about two teams that do not like each other? They don't like each other. Not not one bit. The animosity is great. The cities don't like each other. It's the only reason why it's not number one to me is because it's baseball and they play each other twenty times a year, and so it like it kind of loses its luster to me a little bit, but it's still, but the crazy thing, when you look at, and I forgot to write down the numbers, but the crazy thing is still very, very freaking close. How, how much they are, but some years are skewed. Cause it's like, oh, well they beat them, you know, 15 out of the 20 times they played. And then the next year, the Red Sox trounced the, the Yankees and the Yankees, trounced. it's weird when you play each other that many times and then they usually play each other in the playoffs. It's just, it kind of gets common. You want to know the
1: ridiculous stat? This is from Wikipedia, so but whatever. Regular season series 1,232 to 1,033, and then there's 14 draws. Apparently, Yankees lead the series, lead lead the all time by 100, by by 200, a little bit under 200, 199 games. Yeah, so postseason results they're tied 12 12. The largest victory 2019. Or no, tw- 2000, 22 to 1, the Yankees. And then uh, Red Sox, the largest Red Sox victory was 19 to 3 in 2019. The longest win streak, the Red Sox, 17, 1911 to 1912. The Yankees, 12. And they did it in 1936,
0: 1952 to 53, 2019 to 2020. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's a great rivalry. There's a lot of stupid stats with this rivalry. That's old, man. Yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. It's it's, it's a historic rivalry. It's great rivalry. So many classic. That's how you know it's a good rivalry. There's been so many classic fights with this rivalry. Yeah. Not even like, not not even not even like. Forget what's all, what happening. And you know, between the lines, like the fact that these dudes don't like each other and they're always fighting that's it's, it's just a great route like i said the only reason why it's two and not number one is because to me it gets diluted by the fact that you play each other 18 to 20 times a, a year and that's just in the regular season and god forbid you play in the playoffs it does kind of get a little watered down to me but that's just me okay so number-
1: real quick before you get to number one the wikipedia has one of the best it's long but not like actually long of Rivalry outside. There's one section, violence over rivalry, and the next section is rivalry outside of baseball, which to your what you were alluding to with the world football comments, the soccer comments, that there's some really deep hatreds out there in sports. So outside of baseball, I'm not going to try to read everything, but you said real fights. This shit, I remember. It was a year after I graduated high school. On April 13, 2008, rumors of a construction worker burying a Red Sox jersey in the concrete of the new Yankee Stadium were verified. The worker identified as Gino Castanali buried a David Ortiz jersey in what would become the service corridor in the hopes of cursing the new stadium. After extracting the jersey from underneath two feet of concrete, Yankees president Randy Levine indicated that the shirt would be donated to the Jimmy Fund to be auctioned for the charity along the charity loan associated with the Red Sox. Whatever curse was intended failed to bear fruit with the Yankees winning the World Series their first year in the new stadium. I love
0: that awesome
1: that's awesome. I, I did not realize it was actually like confirmed. I might have just forgot um, but I definitely remember hearing about that when it was news um, in politics, October 23rd, 2007, former New York City mayor Rudolph Giuliani Rudy, who was a Yankees fan said at a New Hampshire event for his presidential campaign that went well that he was going to cheer for the Red Sox during the World Series appearance against the Colorado Rockies. Giuliani justified his support of the Red Sox by saying he sucked dick. Oh, I'm sorry, justified his support of the Red Sox by proclaiming he wasn't a fan of American League baseball. He was a fan of American League baseball. The following day, the New York Post and New York Daily News printed doctored photos of Giuliani as a Red Sox fan on their covers with the headlines "Red Coat" and "Trader" respectively. Topps parodied this in a 2008 baseball card altered to depict Giuliani on the field with with the Red Sox as the team celebrated the 2007 World Series championship. A month later, when he was asked about his support of the Red Sox by one of the questionnaires in a Republican presidential debate, in response, the mayor's answer, former Massachusetts Governor Mitt Romney, who was in office during the Red Sox 2004, claimed that all Americans are united in hatred of the Yankees. This isn't even all of it. Like, Giuliani's successor, Bloomberg, Michael Bloomberg, another dickhead, grew up in Boston as a Red Sox fan, but later switched his allegiance to the Yankees after assuming office. However, Bloomberg's successor, Bill de Blasio, openly supported the Red Sox World Series run during his 2013 campaign, winning the general, general election by a huge margin. This is highlighting the corrupt rot of our political system in so many ways. I just want everyone to know, both sides you all equally suck you're equally fake and why the fuck does new york city keep electing red Sox fans that doesn't make any sense during the 2010 disqualified like disqualified i don't even i don't even get it and this this is the last little blurb they have under the politics section which i just think is hilarious during the 2010 special senate election in massachusetts martha coakley the democratic candidate and state attorney general faced mild backlash for deriding Kurt Schilling as another Yankee fan on a local radio after Schilling endorsed Coakley's Republican opponent, State Senator Scott Brown. Many critics alleged that Coakley's apparent unfamiliar, unfamiliarity with Schilling demonstrated a lack of awareness toward her Massachusetts constituents. Schilling responded, I've been called a lot of things, but never, I mean never, can anyone was, make the mistake of calling me a Yankee fan. Well, check that. If you didn't know what the hell is going on in your own state, maybe you could. Brown, who had pulled as much as 30 points behind Coakley a month before the election, had seen a surge in support prior to Coakley's comments and would eventually win a come from behind victory against her in the election. That is
0: amazing. That's that is absolutely amazing. amazing. That's, yeah, yeah, come on. Come on. Come on now. It's, Come on, like I said, if they didn't play 100 times a year, they'd be number one, without question. Number one, I'm sorry, you can call me a homer all you want. Raven Steelers is a movie every time we play. It doesn't matter how good we are, how bad one team is. It's going to be a great game. They don't like each other. They hate, The cities hate each other. It's, it's it's must-see television. And on top of that, what I love about it the most as much as we hate each other, there's so much respect between the two organizations. Like, it's crazy. Even on Sunday, you're seeing guys pick up Lamar Jackson after he hits the ground, Lamar Jackson picking up Steelers players. Like, you don't ever even see that in football. You see guys reaching their hand out and, and the, if, if the guy's another team, like he'll smack his hand away, like bro, like I'm not helping you up. And but you saw, you saw that a lot on Sunday of dudes just shaking hands and showing respect, and like TJ Watt almost got Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson slipped out of it, and they're pointing to each other. Like, oh, you almost got me. Almost you know I me mean? like. It, there's bro, so
1: much bro, I gotta make the argument that it should be number two because Yankees Red Sox should be number one. Like, here, yes, just, right. here, here yes. let, just listen to this. Just listen to this, right? Because, this, like, we're like the rivalry is bigger than baseball because we don't even care about baseball that much. But listen to how it's affected other sports. It's the same page. It's just crazy that all these instances even happen In 2010. When the NFL's New England Patriots held their victory celebration after winning their first Super Bowl, linebacker Larry Izzo fired up the crowd chanting, Yankees suck. The chant would have become a fixture of Patriots Super Bowl victory rallies following their, super, their victories in Super Bowls. in in 2004 and in 2005, which were sandwiched around the 2004 Red Sox World Series win. Dan Shaughnessy wrote about the chant, can you imagine a Giants or Jets celebration in New York City in which a New York player would take the time to chant Red Sox suck? Shaughnessy opined that such a thing thing occur. It would be more likely at a Jets celebration as a Giants celebration, like those of the Mets and the Rangers, would be more likely to, to feature such chants made in reference to Philadelphia teams. As one of the Giants' primary rivalries is with the Philadelphia Eagles, so so I haven't I even think about that aspect. The Boston fans chant "Yankees suck at everything," at yeah. everything. Like yeah. at, at, like I like pro wrestling, and I've heard Yankees suck chants at Boston wrestling events. Like that, you know. So like it has to be number one. Just I, I, and and like even for the Giants, and you know, it's funny. I, 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 all this time, this is the first time I bring this up. The Giants Pats Super Bowl in 08. Considered one of the greatest upsets of Super Bowl history. This is what's on the Wikipedia. After the Giants fans chanted 18 and 1, 18 and 1, reminiscent of the infamous 1918 chants towards the Pats fans as they left. So it's like the Yankees and Red Sox has completely shaped the tri-state and New England sports rivalry for a century because there's that much hatred that it's like wearing gang gang colors. To your point about number four, to, during the 2008 finals between the Celtics and the Lakers, Spike Lee, a season ticket holder for the New York Knicks, wore a Yankee jersey and cap at Game 3 of the finals in Los Angeles. Lee sat behind the Boston bench while loudly cheering for the Lakers, though he had a friendly relationship with Ray Allen of the Celtics, who I, I'm pretty sure most people in Boston don't like anymore. Right. So, and that's no, not even wrong. Yeah, I, mean, yeah, I read right. half
0: that's half of the other the other uh you know no oh, okay all right I, I understand that and like i said Yankee Sox was easily number 2 um because for me obviously we're talking about history here that goes back forever right? and, even, and remember ravens still goes back earlier than the 2000s as well because the ravens used to be the browns so that's old browns hatred that was yeah infused,
1: but you but no, one, no, no one no one
0: accounts that but what but what i'm saying is the reason why, to me, the Ravens-Steelers rivalry is number one, because on the field, on the field of play, it's the best thing you can watch. The Yankees-Red Sox, ha- that's why it's number two. It's got the history. It's got the the, the geographical importance to it. Nobody's arguing that. It is, it is by far the most important rivalry in, in American sports. It's part of it. But to me, I don't care about the fifteenth time the Yankees and the Red Sox play each other. That the, that that's why to me is number two. As a sports fan, we know the hatred's there. We know it's great. When the Yankees and Red Sox play the first time, we always watch. When they play the second series, we always watch. By the fifth time they play each other, I was like, bro, I, they're playing each other again. Like, goddamn, like, relax. It's That's the only reason why it's – that's literally – that's why I said it's literally the only reason why it's number two because, to me, it gets watered down so much now because they play each other way too much. Ravens, Steelers, twice a year, sometimes in the playoffs, sometimes a third time in the playoffs, that's it. The two teams usually fighting for the division division crown. Uh, It's it's always – it's always – I think, like, the last ten times they played or something like that, it's been a single – Score a game, you know what I mean? It's always down to the wire. It's beautiful football to watch, and it's the, it's the game that I fell in love with. The way they, like I said, it's it's nasty, it's violent. Those two teams hate each other, but they respect each other. Like I say it all the time. I hate when we play the Bengals because the Bengals always gets the Bengals games always get just they cross the line a lot of times. It's it's dirty. It's foul. It's our guys. Like we're we're crossing a line here in terms of sportsmanship and stuff like that. With the Ravens, nah, never. It's right. It is right on the line. We hate each other. And this is with Haloti not breaking Ben Roethlisberger's nose. This is with Ryan Clark taking out Willis McGahee. This is you know what I mean. Like there's been some hits and some, but it's hard hitting football every single time. But the respect and hatred for each other that these two teams have is is just beautiful. It's beautiful to watch. Yankees, Red Sox. You, know, you can't beat that in terms of the historical significance of what
1: that is. Oh, and just just to add on, because I agree with you as far as a product, you know, or you already know it's one of my favorite rivalries. I have said it on the pod before, like low key. If the Giants didn't exist, I really do believe I'd probably be a Ravens fan just based off of my age and how I've grown up watching that organization be elite my whole life. With that being said, you are you know how much I respect the Rooney family and the Steelers and everything they've done for the sport, as well as other sports in general. The the Yankees' Red Sox rivalry is so deep. It, I'm not reading it anymore. This is, I, I read it before. But, you, you know, you, you, I, I like MLS. You, I, you, you're a casual MLS fan. If there's something cool happening, and I, and I was like, hey, check this out, you would. The uh, New York Red Bulls. New York City FC, NYC, FC, even that's a rivalry. The the, the 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 Yankees own NYC FC and the that they're part owners with the City Group, who's Manchester City, right? Manchester City, one of their biggest rivalries is Liverpool FC. And Liverpool is sister, is like a sister company slash city with Boston Red Sox slash Boston. So even with the connections to international soccer, these two have found the connection of pure hatred. (laughs) So I just want to throw that out. It's
0: it's a great, it's a fantastic. Like I said, the the literal only reason why it's number two is because it's diluted. That's the only, like you can't, the cultural significance you can't even deny. I mean, I'll put it to you this way. Even, Even just for a safety thing, right? I would feel safer going to Baltimore saying, After Ravens go Steelers, I would never go into Boston saying, After Red Sox go Yankees. I would never do that. You're looking for problems. (laughs) I would never. I I feel safer
1: going to Philly saying, Fuck the Eagles go Giants than doing that in Boston.
0: Yeah, I would. Yeah, I would never. I would never do that. I would never. Boston got a different vibe. Yeah, I would never. Those motherfuckers is crazy. I would never do that. So, I understand the cultural significance of it. That's why it is. Matter of fact, one and two are on a a league of their own. The other ones are just, you know, fighting to be respected. Um, Wow. (laughs) You really said the Duke-North Carolina rivalry is just fighting to be respected. Compared to those two? Come on. Come on now. Stop it. I mean, UNC and Duke is huge. But, you know, I'm letting the Red River
1: rivalry slide, right? Because I'm not into college football, but I'm not going to disrespect – such a popular sport like that but i've been trying to think of like other rivalries and the nba is known for not having that great of rivalries when it comes to teams it's usually players and that's the beef like it it develops over time crosses over teams right mls isn't there yet it's not cultural rivalries there are rivalries there's hardcore rivalries especially in the northwest And Atlanta, the DC, DC and the Red Bulls. Like that's a that's a original MLS rivalry, America, but in soccer, it's more US and Mexico, US versus Mexico than anything in the inter in the US. Like we ain't even with our neighbors when it comes to rivalries like that. So I guess in the five, if you're trying to cross over all these sports, you know, it's not the Red River rivalry, but you want that in there because of college football, I guess. Like I don't know enough about baseball. I just feel like like baseball there's another one besides Yankees, Red I mean, Sox.
0: Gi- Giants, Dodgers, no Yeah, that's, that, thank you. I, I knew
1: it. I'm like there's one that we, we didn't say that like even with the shade I throw at that sport, I'm like it's disrespectful to the history of this continent if we don't bring it up. You know what I mean? you yeah, know yeah. um um Cubs, G- Cubs.
0: giant and also not giants i'm sorry uh bears packers is another rivalry that just deserves yeah, But a again name. it's so one-sided like, like that like i'm not i'm not including those like those are those aren't rivalries anymore they're rivalries in name they don't like each other it's like it's like when brown like i, and I again i'm sorry when browns fans used to get mad at me About when it. i lived in ohio look like, won't you ever won't you ever acknowledge the browns as a rival i'm like oh, oh you're our rival like that, that's what I used to say, and people used to, because I honestly did not know that. I did not know how much Cleveland hates Pittsburgh. I did not know that until so I lived in Ohio, and that was a thing. Like, no, oh f Pittsburgh, that's our biggest rival. And I, I used to laugh. I'm like, wait, that's you. not the team that took, not the city that took your fucking team away. On no, they hate you guys way more. Yeah, like they, yeah, they hate us more. I didn't even know
1: that. Like that's that's I, like that's like a cousin. They just don't like, like, like they'll fight them all the time. But, like, they do have family history, you know? So, like, they're, they're like, we hate you, but we cool. They
0: fucking hate y'all. <laughs> like, they hate uh, I did not know that until I went to Ohio. And people would get mad at me because I didn't give credence to it. I'm like, bro, we beat y'all. Oh, oh,
1: and let's be real. Let's keep it real, dude. Any of the Cowboys' robberies could be top five. Giants, Eagles, or or Washington LLC, because I had a big argument with one of my cousins one year Thanksgiving, I believe it was, because dude, we somebody somebody
0: did say when I was talking about this, somebody did say, "How about Cowboys, Eagles?" And I, I guess to me, because I'm not part of it, I don't feel it. Oh, dude, much.
1: Cowboys, Eagles is real. Like
0: I would, you I know, I would, I, I know a Giants fan. I,
1: you know how much I hate both of them. I would even nominate Giants, Eagles as like that one got the most hate out of all of us. But like one thing that's overlooked, and it's an age thing. Anyone older than us is like, what about Cowboys, Redskins is a rivalry. DC, Dallas, no, but I'm, I'm saying like, that's like a money rivalry. Like as as shitty as like you're saying, oh well, it's one sided. That's the weird part about the East, bro. As as bad as we are, we beat each other up.
0: No, you do. No, and to 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 y'all credit. Because I wanted to think, like, what are some other good football ones? I know Seahawks 49ers, especially back when it was Legion of Blue versus Colin Kaepernick. No, that, that's like the only error they really had. I don't no, buy it that. that was a great one. Um, Steelers-Raiders is, is a – Steelers-Cowboys. That's a historic rivalry. And and like I said, all the NFC East rivalries are huge. That I know for a fact. That I know for a fact. But I think, like, that's just a local thing that I don't I don't know if I could – I could put it. I don't know, man. Like, Steelers, if if Steelers and and Cowboys didn't
1: happen, hasn't happened enough throughout time to be top five, like you're naming top five, like beefs between these these, these teams, not like the franchises, but between this era and this era of these two teams, like Legion of Boom with with those Kaepernick uh, Harbor Niners. That's all time. I'm not denying that, but that's not an all time robbery. Eagles, Cowboys, Eagles, Giants, Giants, Cowboys,
0: Cowboys. No, no, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. You're right about the NFC East. You got those are rivalries that are, you know, I I want to put those on honorable mention. The only only reason why I didn't put them in the top five is because I don't know if nationally that's a thing as much as some of these other ones are. I, I
1: definitely think anything with the Cowboys can be considered national.
0: No absolutely, absolutely. And, and, and especially but, but again consider- that's another, that's another reason why I didn't put Ohio State Michigan because to me that's a local issue and it it's broadcasted as a national thing because it's Ohio State and Michigan and they have a and they both have national fan bases and I get that but again it's one-sided and really outside of the Midwest nobody gives a fuck anymore
1: yeah right? but I, I feel like Cowboys Eagles especially. Because Cowboys you can say, cow- sure. say Cowboys, Redskins, but the Redskins have been worse more recently for like 20 years now, it feels like. Um, but the Eagles especially, even when the Eagles were bad, the Eagles-Cowboys games were prime time. And there's an era of football fans that when you think Eagles-Cowboys, their Eagles quarterback is Michael Vick. Like, that's already that long ago. That there's some kids like, oh, yeah, I remember being a kid – and seeing Michael Vick bomb it to Deshaun Jackson against the Redskins, so like, yeah, it, yeah, it's of course it's local. I'm I'm down here. I'm closer to Philly than you are. So so like it's local for me. But at the same time, the Cowboys are a national team. So like, I just feel like with the with the like the Steelers Ravens national rivalry, as shitty as it's been, Packers Bears is a national game every year. It is. You know yeah, what I mean? So, like, Bears so is definitely with the Michigan-Ohio argument of most people don't care, nerds that like every game and watching history care. The casual yeah. fan never gave a shit about watching Jay Cutler I don't care how much times you try to sneakily praise
0: him on this podcast. Oh, I stopped doing that a long time ago. I, I stopped doing that a long time ago. I admitted you were right about that, and we said we were never going to bring that up again. So thank you for not keeping your end of the bargain. <laughs> all right, so I think I think we hit everything, bro. Tell them where they can find you. Yeah, fuck the Red right Sox. You can find me at me n-e-v-a number four underscore the number four B R E T T underscore M E on Instagram and Twitter, and we are at the <laughs> underscore Dope blog on Instagram. Fuck the Cowboys. We are at the Dope
1: Log all one word on Twitter. Fuck the red Sox, and you can find me and not the chuck d on all my social medias the boston celtics can suck a dick uh anything else are we forgetting oh yeah the bruins you, fuck you're, the you're, bruins well, yeah, um, if, you're on,
0: if you're on youtube you can like, oh, yeah. if you're on youtube like share and subscribe notice i didn't say fuck the ravens again it's mutual respect we hate them but we respect them oh um, no fuck the eagles Fuck the Cowboys, fuck the city of Boston, fuck the region known as New
1: England. You like England is cooler than you. Um, there's the entire city and all your sports teams, even the the revolution. I know you you heard me mention MLS, and if you could understand why I said even the revolution just there, because if you're like, yeah, you brought up MLS, why did you bring up the revolution? Wanna know why? Because fuck New England, that's why (laughs) 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 fucking tri-state all day.
0: All right,
1: right. try stayed all day. <laughs> Off the diamond. Illuminati, what?
0: Don't bother me, I'm working. 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 Don't work.